0: Hi, everybody. I'm Oliver Roth, a Broadway producer at O'Henry Productions. You're listening to The O'Henry Report, the podcast by Broadway World, which gives you a -a one-of-a-kind look inside the business of Broadway. In the report, we pull back the curtain on the biggest stories, issues, and trends in the industry. Last episode, we reported on the strike that Actors' Equity was holding against developing new works for Broadway League members. Today, we're reporting on the result of that 33-day strike – a new agreement between Actors' Equity and the Broadway League, which they call the Developmental Work Session. To learn more about the circumstances that led up to the strike and the results of those negotiations, we'll talk to Kate Schindel, the current president of the Actors' Equity Association. Recently, Kate starred as Allison in the national tour of Fun Home, and her other Broadway credits include Cabaret, Legally Blonde, and Wonderland. She also holds the title of Miss America 1998, and on top of her extensive work on stage, acts in film and television. Kate was elected president of Equity in 2015 and has served since. Kate and I were also joined by Brendan Lawrence, Equity's communications director, who will pop in as necessary to help us fact-check some of the things that we talk about. So with that, let's get to my conversation with Kate and Brandon. Well, Kate, thank you so much for doing this. Um, we want to talk mostly or, or you know we want to get to talking about the recent uh, negotiations with the league and the resolution mm-hmm. that's uh, been been negotiated but I, I actually wanted to start um, with some really simple uh, questions about equity because we haven't on this podcast at least really discussed the the mechanisms of equity and I think it's an important it's obviously a very important part of our industry so uh, real 101 uh, if you could just give uh, a basic idea of just what Equity is, who they represent, and what what goes on in you know, on an organizational level at Equity. Sure. So Equity is a labor union, and we represent not just actors in
1: New York, we represent actors and stage managers across the country who work in live theater. Um, our membership is about 52,000, and, you know, we do everything from... Tiny contracts in small startup theaters to the production contract, which is our biggest, which governs producing commercial producing on Broadway. And as you can also imagine, you know, representing actors, singers, dancers, and stage managers, among others. Everybody doesn't always want the same things. So one of the challenges of being a labor union representing different interests, I would sort of shorthand. is uh, is that, you know, you have to figure out how to balance um, the different needs and desires of the constituencies and ultimately do it in a way that's good for the industry. We represent folks in New York, Chicago, L.A., and Orlando, which are our office cities. And then we have 28 areas that we call liaison areas, which are concentrations of 100 members or more. In within a certain mile radius. So San Francisco is a big liaison area for us. Boston is a big liaison area for us. They're not
0: locals like some unions have, um, but they are different constituencies. So turning out uh, sort of the transition, I think, from what equity is uh, and what the recent um, issue and negotiations were about, and you started to touch on it, but it is this idea that uh, there are certain negotiated contracts uh, sort of standard Formats for how shows get produced and developed. Um, so, right. I wanted to sort of, uh, with with it with a, with an understanding of exploring that a little bit. Talk about what this, uh, you know, what the impetus for the strike was, and what the thoughts were behind the way these contracts that existed were not tending to the needs of your members in twenty nineteen. Sure. So. We've had a number of developmental
1: contracts that the Broadway League has used for a number of years. Uh, There was a workshop contract, a two-week staged reading contract, and then an agreement called the Lab, the Developmental Lab Agreement. And that was created... Brandon, remind me, was it 2007? Yeah. Okay, so that was created in 2007 uh, to capture specific pieces of a developing production that we didn't have another contract for. Like if a choreographer wanted to go uh, work with a group of dancers to create a dance vocabulary for a show that was being developed. Or um, when the Adams family was being developed, they needed some way to work on particular scenic elements. I think it was Uncle Fester's Flying, uh, that we didn't have another contract that covered. So the lab contract was created. And Over time, as you know, it's not unusual for this to happen. You see it happening with the CETA contract as well, which covers touring. Over time, the lab agreement um, evolved and the ways in which producers were using it evolved. And it it proved to be or it has proven to be a really effective tool for developing Broadway musicals. Now, um, that's all fine. But. We started to take a look at it and hear a lot from our members about the fact that there had never been a wage increase, that the projects that were being done were being done in a much more holistic way rather than focusing on or isolating one piece of the show. And that these lab presentations, which were typically four weeks long and then included um, presentations for an invited industry audience at the end, they had just gotten much bigger than we ever expected them to be. So we started talking to our members and it became very clear that it was time for some change. And that's not just something that, uh, you know, a group of union officers and staff dreamed up that, uh, as I've said elsewhere,
0: was the result of, I would characterize it as an outcry from our membership. So, one thing I wanted to talk a little bit a little bit about um because I don't hear covered that often, but but that I think is interesting. And I talked a little bit about on this podcast um last time we talked about mm-hmm. the the strike is the interplay between this and the other sort of standard development contracts, and specifically the workshop agreement, which mm-hmm. I think that the the general sense is that part of the problem is that the lab uh, was so flexible that it took over the workshop agreement. I don't know if that sense is echoed by you, but, What's interesting is that the workshop agreement always had some of the things that you were asking for in the lab agreement, like mm-hmm. uh, royalty participation. So I wanted to know where that comparison factors in. Whether whether it is true that that maybe some of the problem was that this lab contract that you had negotiated for things like the scenic, uh, you know, uh, lab or uh, a choreography. Lab were actually now being used in ways that that Equity had originally intended the workshop contract to be used. I think you're right that that's a common perception. I would
1: push back a little bit on it and say that the workshop contract for many years has just not been getting used all that often. Um, And the difference between what we've now achieved with the profit participation versus the royalties that were built into the workshop, it was not only a significant difference, because they're different pots of money, although they're obviously related pots of money. To me and to many of us, it seemed like the biggest reason that the workshop wasn't getting used was because of that royalty participation. So it's not like if we had just made the lab go away, everybody would have gone back to use it, workshops. At least that's not how we assessed it. Because I'll tell you what, if we had been able to just say, you know what, this lab thing was great, but it's really in the workshop and, and we feel like it was being used like crazy and now it's not. Um, if, if that had been a possibility, I think we just would have done that. But ultimately I think we understand and certainly our bargaining partners understand that it's so hard to raise the relatively huge amount of money that is needed to produce a new Broadway show that those points out of the royalty pool are extremely valuable. And so it's part of the reason why in our couple years of conversation about this, we arrived at the ask that we would participate in the profits after the show recouped, but not not pursue the sort of first dollar approach that the royalty pool offers. And, you know, this gets really inside baseball because then you're talking about um, how it affects other unions that do participate in the royalty pool, how it how it affects um, the writers' royalties, et cetera. So uh, so that's why we went for
0: well, it's one of the many reasons we went for profit participation so you you had alluded to the fact that this was a many year saga of of trying to get <laughs> movement. Um and obviously, you know, uh, anyone who's been following the press and and knows how long the strike went on and the lengths of efforts that equity had to do, I mean, there were you know, there was the not a lab rat hashtag campaign. There was some um, pin or flyer giving out at the TK, around Times Square at the TKTS booth. Mm-hmm. And also, I, I think uh, that this was the first time that a strike uh, was extended or the first time in a while to equity candidates as well as equity members. Is that true?
1: Um, well, this is the first
0: strike that any of us can point to. Um,
1: and we've done some digging among equity members in New York in 50 years. So whether or not the EMC or... Um, non-union member. part of it was unprecedented in some way is it, is actually only like tangentially relevant right because we just sure. haven't been on strike now when we have when we have gotten up to the line for example with off broadway where we thought we were going to have to take a work action we had that tool in our toolbox as well and i think that there's been a again I, I want to point to it as a perception that EMCs or non-equity members were being punished and, and I would I would push back on that, too, because we can't stop people from working. We can't stop um, producers from hiring people. And we certainly, my God, we certainly don't have some sort of list of people who can never work in the industry again. Um, I understand why there was a strong reaction to that. But essentially, all we were saying was, if you are not a member of Actors' Equity, and you would like to be a member of Actors' Equity someday, please don't break our strike because ultimately, you know, the only power that a union has is solidarity and, and unity of its membership. So um, when you look around at the many, many, many actors in New York, some of whom are equity and some of whom aren't equity yet, and and I would include stage managers in that conversation as well, what we're saying is if you want to be an equity, then please understand that we're fighting for what will eventually be your interest too, and don't undercut our strike. So that's that's what right. that was for my perspective. Yeah.
0: So so that all makes sense. Um, and and like you said, that this is the first strike in in fifty years, and there was um, action and 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 butting heads for for a bit leading up to it. Things obviously, you know, when when a union uh, when a labor union decides to go on strike, things uh, it's a sign that things are dire. Mm-hmm. In, in those two years of negotiations, was there any? sense that things you know like uh, what 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 was the sort of inciting moment or when when was it was it you know enough is enough we have to take action because we're just not getting what we want from this talk yeah
1: i think we have had some informal conversations with league members over those two years but what we really needed them to do was come to the table and negotiate with us uh for real and you know because of the way labor laws work um and because of the way collective bargaining works, like you can talk all you want, but if you can't get the other side to sit down at the table and actually bargain with you, then you're going to have a tough time getting a contract. And, you know, to me, in a lot of respects, this was a silly thing to have to strike about. You know, there, and that's not to say that what we were asking for is silly. It's just, you know, we haven't had a wage increase in 12 years. We were asking for... of post recruitment profit participation, which would only apply to shows that A, made it to Broadway, and B, made their money back and became profitable on Broadway. And what that equals is that for every million dollars of pure profit that a producer or producing organization makes after recruitment, they would set aside $10,000 for all the actors and stage managers to share uh, who had worked on the development. And then we needed... um, We were very focused on an additional uh, stage manager contract in most of these developmental work sessions because they have become so big and there are lights and sound and costumes and things that we didn't imagine in the first place. And then building reasonable fences around Broadway rehearsal periods so that nobody was using these developmental work sessions to substitute, to, to basically be a cheaper version of Broadway rehearsal so that we would have like a minimum number of weeks that you had to rehearse. And, and that was it. I mean, to me, they weren't big asks. And I think that the profit participation was as much a a philosophical hurdle um, for our our friends on the other side of the table as it was
0: a financial hurdle, but
1: you'd have to ask them about that. That's
0: just my perception. Right. And just just because, just because I think we're talking so much about it. We should. Um, I know it's sort of been the talk, like all over the place. But can you just give a quick summary of what that, what your side of the philosophical argument is, just in case someone's been living under a rock and hasn't heard it yet, and is now listening here, they can follow along.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, it's funny because there's again. I'm sorry, I'm talking so much about perceptions right now, but there is a perception, an allegation. Sometimes it's probably too strong a word that that the producers take all the financial risk when it comes to developing new shows for Broadway. And I don't agree with that because, you know, when you, when you live and work as an actor or stage manager, you know, in order to be available to do a developmental work session for four weeks, you have to take yourself out of, of pretty much any other opportunity for employment. And we never know what big job is right around the corner. You never know, know, who the stage manager is who's going to have to say no to subbing on a Broadway show because they're involved in what was at that time called a lab for four weeks. And maybe that sub job turns into a full-time job for 10 years. um, And, and you don't get it because you are committed to something else or right now I'm doing a recurring role on a TV show, which is awesome. And there's a young woman who I'm working with who had to ask ask for permission to miss a day of rehearsal on the lab that she was doing so that she could be, that she could go shoot this thing. Now, everybody wants to develop new shows. Everybody wants to be part of that creative process. But at the same time, had those producers or the director not given her that day off, that whole recurring role may have gone away. And that's the kind of thing that, that will sustain you from the end of the developmental work to the beginning of the actual Broadway run. So just with all that as context, it seemed completely reasonable that if you do take time and work for four weeks or however many weeks, and then the show that you have been part of developing goes on to make a profit on Broadway, um, you get a few bucks out of that. It's a sort of a cousin to residuals in TV and film and commercials. And, I bet you if you lined up 50 TV, film, and commercial producers, they would all rather just pay the money up front and not have to pay anything if the project is successful on the back end. They'd rather keep those profits. And I understand that. But the reason that we get those residuals is because unions fought for them.
0: So I think lastly, you have two years of, of this sort of uh, philosophical di- dispute. You, go, you start going on strike. I think the strike lasted like 32 or 33 days you can mm-hmm. fact check me there if you, if you know was just right um and Brandon can fact check you <laughs> <laughs> and yep, 33 days 33 days so so the strike lasts 33 days and again again this is more just a, a, a a little bit just clarifying because we've been talking very much contextually about what the result of that negotiation was, but I just wanted to sort of go through right. the the major points. So the first, which um, mm-hmm. we just talked about, uh, that is sort of the headline all, that makes all the headlines, is this uh, that we've talked about a few times here as well. Is this um, uh, you know shared participation in one percent, one percent profit share, and that is just to explain and pl- again correct me if I'm wrong, but it's split among. All of the actors and stage managers and equity members who have participated in a lab of of that show, right?
1: Right. In one of the, it'll be shared among all of those who participated on the developmental contract that require it. We're not calling them labs anymore, but yeah, basically you're right.
0: So there you go. So there's so, so second thing is that it's actually a, a a new contract. So so is it just is it now just grouped as developmental contract?
1: Brenda, we're calling them developmental work sessions. Is that right?
0: Yeah. So is we're calling consi- them developmental work session. And and this is so uh, the developmental work session is its own contract, though. These don't apply to the other types of developmental contracts that equity has in place. Yeah, this is just pertaining to the Broadway
1: League's commercial theater development. Um, uh-huh. Maybe down the road we look at
0: other, uh, other versions of this and other places, but this one is just the Broadway League. Um. So, so there's that, and again, that's the one that's sort of been grabbing headlines because I think it highlights the philosophical dispute. But there were other um point. You know, there there were other changes. There are other changes between this developmental work session contract and the what was the lab contract. And the first of which is that there was a salary increase. I think right. the lab was a. Am I right that the lab was a thousand dollars a week? Right. Um. And so, is there a number yet determined for for the for the new contract? Well. There are different numbers.
1: Brandon, can you help me? What have we published?
0: So the um, I think the number that um, is the there are a number of tiers. The the number that deals with what essentially is the replacement for the lab is twelve fifty. Okay, so it's a tiered structure, but the uh, minimum for what was the lab was a thousand is now twelve fifty a week. Basically. Right. Um, and and obviously it, it it sounds more complicated than that, and we'll have to all go and and read the the, <laughs> the, the uh, all the great resources that equity puts out. Well, when...
1: yeah, there are different there are different versions of these developmental work sessions, depending on whether uh, whether somebody wants to do something that is literally just people at music stands, or whether they want to include choreography. Uh, but but the closest parallel to what the lab was is that. Instead of thousand dollars a week, you get twelve fifty a week. And Kate, this is hitting on something I mentioned yesterday in the a, a pre-call. The producers have additional flexibility with the new agreement, so that they've. This is a
0: situation that has given upside to both sides. So, uh, oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So and so that flexibility. So so obviously we just talked about um, the increased flexibility in terms of now it's not a one-size-fits-all fits all kind of contract. It's, um, depending on what you want to do, there's different, uh, different tiers. Um, but I think also, uh, the last thing that I'm aware of is I think also, and we touched on this earlier as well, a little earlier, but there's also more flexibility in terms of the length, uh, of the rehearsal period. Yeah. Um, so can you talk yeah. a little bit about those, those changes?
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, and, and, you know, it's interesting. I've been thinking a lot about this in the last day or so, because, um, specifically because of the question of the Michael Jackson project came up and, um, you know, to go back a little bit, from what I understand from our staff, one of the most common concession requests we would get, um, would be for a producer to ask for a lab that was six weeks or seven weeks, or even just five weeks. And we tried to keep them to four because, um, because if you need to do a production, you need to do a production. But with this new agreement, they can do this developmental work for up to eight weeks. And so, you know, I am not down with getting into, you know, slinging mud back and forth or anything. But um, but it did occur to me that maybe part of the reason that there's been a change in the schedule for for that one particular show is because instead of going to do a production after four weeks of developmental work, they could do eight weeks of developmental work all in one place. I don't know. I I have no idea. I haven't Uh, talked to them. Um, But it it did raise the question, maybe that flexibility was something that was actually beneficial to them.
0: Uh, That's very interesting because, you know, I think the general consensus is that something was up with that. And I know equity released a statement, but that, that really the, cause and effect the the fact that the there was the strike and the fact that they've canceled their out- of- town tryout didn't don't really line up in the way that they explained it and surely there were easier ways for them to you know position uh, this change of schedule for the to the press I mean as easy as generally when we see people cancel developmental productions they can just say we think we're ready for Broadway so it's interesting that because they did mention the negotiations that maybe it does have something to do with it but maybe actually they're realizing that this new contract has benefited them. Um, and again, not, we, neither of us know. It
1: could be exactly. It could be. And and you and I both know that developing a new musical, especially for Broadway is such an incredibly delicate alchemy that like one thing can change the whole picture. Um, and so, you know, who knows what their actual reason for postponement was. It's a little hard for me to, uh, get completely on board with the idea that this, you know, 12 day delay was solely responsible for, for their schedule change. But ultimately, you know, unless you're inside that small group of producers that's working on any show that's being developed, it's very, very difficult to, to know exactly to know all the things that are being discussed and
0: thought about. I just want to, this is a little we're sort of past this issue, but I thinking about this, made me realize that I think it's important to point out that there actually were not only uh, labs or, or development contracts being run by people who weren't in the Broadway League during the strike, but if I'm not mistaken, there was also uh, exceptions to the strike if producers in the Broadway League were meeting the the demands of equity. Is that, is that correct?
1: I want to make sure I say that Right. Um, okay. Brandon, can you help me out on this in a little bit? How we dealt with um, productions that were uh, nervous
0: about sort of slipping through the cracks.
1: Yeah. So if a producer approached us wanting to make a deal, we would
0: work with them. Great. So, so, right. So the, so the, re- and, and the reason I bring that up is it, it seems like we, if any production, let alone the Michael Jackson one, but if any production really felt that it needed a lab or a developmental experience during during those 33 days it wasn't like they were out of options um equity was very willing to negotiate uh, and in, and and you know indeed from from what i know at least some did and there were some labs that reached negotiations with equity and were able to work during during the strike because they were providing the you know their actors and stage managers with enough of what was being asked of them
1: yeah i mean i think it's this kind of gets, this conversation kind of gets like neck deep in labor law, which is why I'm trying to be careful with what I say. Um, You know, obviously, well, not obviously, but if you're collectively bargaining with an employer group, you can't then go to people and say, oh, hey, you know, we know we're having a strike against your group. But if you want to break off from your group and negotiate a separate contract, uh, have at it, like. You can't do that <laughs> that's not that's not bargaining in good faith. I will say that um, that we did try to be as accommodating as possible to those projects which really needed the time without doing anything that would have undermined the big picture. And ultimately, I feel like our staff was able to strike that balance pretty effectively, but but we were attentive to the idea that there may be Maybe people sort of contemplating workarounds to get around the strike, and we certainly we didn't want to fall into that trap. But what we really were hoping the entire time is that we would just sit down at the table and hammer out a deal so that we could all get back to work. And fortunately, that's where we ended up.
0: Uh, Well, I think that's a good place to 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 leave off. I'm happy that you know everyone is is back to work. That. We've reached a deal that everyone seems mo- at least moderately happy with and can live with uh, for this yeah. foreseeable future. Hopefully it won't take another, you know, 12 or so years until, you know, new n- new things get, get uh, negotiated between equity and the league. But, yeah, I mean, it, unless there's anything else that you want to say, thank you for coming on and uh, thanks for taking us through this two-year journey.
1: Anytime. Thank you, for, yeah. uh, thank you for wanting to get into the weeds of it with us. <laughs> yeah.
0: I want to thank Kate and Brandon again for talking with us. This strike and the subsequent resolution has consumed Broadway headlines for several weeks, and it's really great to hear from the horse's mouth a first-hand account of what happened. I also want to thank you for listening to The O'Henry Report. If you have any questions from previous podcasts or ideas for the next one, tweet me at Oliver Henry Roth. You can find The O'Henry Report on broadwayworld.com, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Google Play, Basically, wherever you like to listen to your podcasts, we're there. Be sure to follow Broadway World on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway World for updates. You can find me on Twitter at Oliver Henry Roth, on Facebook at O'Henry Productions, and on the web at www.ohenryproductions.com. For myself and the rest of the O'Henry Report and Broadway World staff, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.